I, okay. I really enjoy this episode. Me too. One, me too. Two, I totally forgot about Emily until the end. Like I, the first scene, I was like, yay. And then at the end, we're back at Quantico. And I was like, oh, what's the ending scene at Quantico? And then Hot Rush into his office and Emily was just there. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Jump scare. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, God, Emily. <laughs> I was like, wow, they got me. I, compl- I was so engrossed in the episode that I forgot Emily was in the end of it. Yeah. It was a good episode. We got three distinct JJ sweater looks. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, they were bad, huh? Yeah. I I love that girl, but fuck it for Fashion Eight 2006, huh? Yeah, man. Like, was she the height of like, like would someone in 2006 look at JJ and say, "I want to dress like that"? I don't think she was. Is the thing I really don't think she was the height of fashion in 2006. The thing is, I think she's like I can't pinned down what they wanted her to be it was like half princess hair and then it was like business chic and now it's like comfy but like professional (laughs) like they haven't decided what her like thing is yet like until she gets into like suits and her like leather jackets she's just all over the place it's just such a i don't know what her deal is (laughs) I think maybe she is like, she's like the ideal of fashion, but for like a closeted teenager in Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. Which means that she's not fashion. (laughs) Unfortunately. So true. But I liked this episode a lot. I think this was a really good episode, even without the light of my life, Emily Prentice here. (laughs) Like, I think it's just genuinely a good episode. It really is. It really is. But I have watched Emily's first episode so much that I can like quote that entire scene verbatim. Yeah, that's fair. It's such an awkward scene. It's so awkward. Pageant is so good at just like sitting there in the awkwardness expectantly. (laughs) That was, it was just like, wow, they really said, we're introducing someone new and she's awkward as shit. Like Elle was like hot, sexy, mean. And then your girl is like, hi, um, I'd like to work here. Can I have a job, please? Like... <laughs> hey, B, want to talk about season two, episode nine, The Last Word? love to talk about season two episode nine the last word on our criminal minds podcast wheels up james what a good episode what a good episode actually though like what a good episode i love this season is good actually (laughs) (laughs) i hate to say it but as soon as l left (laughs) i know that criminal minds i like it's i always knew that criminal minds was like a good tv show that i did enjoy yeah but, like, you kind of forget about that when you're in the weeds of season one, you know? You're like, is there a light at the end of this tunnel? There is. And the light at the end of this tunnel is Emily Prentice, without a doubt. <laughs> it always is. She always arrives in the in my moment of need. Exactly. And today, with the last word, this was my moment of need. And yeah. I'm so glad she's here. Oh, light of my life. You know what's so funny? Everyone always thinks that JJ is my my number one gal everyone does 
because you do talk about JJ constantly. I, I do. feel like it should not be understated how much you talk about Jennifer Jarreau. But even outside of the context of this podcast. Yeah. But the real light of my life number one gal is Emily Prentice. Yeah. It is. And the more we see of her, the more like right now we've I've only had Jennifer Jarreau to fix it on. <laughs> So it, I may seem very skewed in one direction, but just yeah. you wait until Emily and her stupid little button downs. Oh, mm. <laughs> her stupid little bangs. Oh, okay. I love Emily Prentice. I love Emily Prentice. I think was always my gal. Yeah. But I don't talk about JJ enough to make people like to fake people out that that's my gal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but I don't know. I just, Emily Prentice, I'm like, oh, I know Emily. I know Emily. I love Emily. I have Emily all figured out. I know everything about her life. <laughs> Except for her timeline, which makes no sense, but that's her fine. Fucking time. Her timeline makes sense. I have her timeline all fucking figured out. It's everybody else that doesn't make any sense. She's the only one with the timeline that makes sense. She's the only one where it actually, I can like, from the day she's born, tell you everything about her life. <laughs> it's everybody else that doesn't that make any sense. sense. Yeah. That's fair. Like even, and, and I'll talk about this when we get to it, but in Profile or Profiled, they like tell us Derek's birth year and then they still get the dates of important moments in his life wrong. Like they give us his birth year and then they tell us something happened when he was 13 but actually he was 15. And then they tell us that they happened when he was 15, but it would have actually happened when he was 18. So it's like, sorry, you're gonna give me hard dates and still be wrong, criminal minds? Somebody in that writer's room is not getting another job after criminal minds. Like somebody in that writer's room uh. has not had another job since 2019. <laughs> When the show ended? That is right. When the show ended? 2019? 2020. Also, we get so much information about Emily Prentice this episode. Like, we learned- They really said, here's our new character. Do you, want to, do you want us to info dump about her? Because we will info dump about her. And then they do. And then they do. And we'll get to her when we get to her scene. But we get, we get everything we need to know about Emily Prentice in, like, her history in the first scene and then her personality in the second scene. It's like, everything you need to know. Bye. Here's your character. Yeah. Love her. And honestly, thank you. <laughs> honestly, thank thanks. you so much. Thank you so much. I do love her. Okay. Season two, episode nine, The Last Word. St. Louis, Missouri. They're at a park. It's a mom and a dad. The girl's like playing catch. And they have this like really cute thing where she throws it and the dad's like, she's got quite an arm on her. And the mom's like, whoop, just like her father. And then he throws it too far. Um, and she's like, so what do you think? You want to have another one? And he's like, yeah, I do. And then he throws the ball too far and the girl runs out. So he goes after her. And the mom's like, I'll get the food. And she starts like setting up a cute little picnic. Uh, and then this guy runs in. Hold up, hold up. Can we talk about the picnic that this woman sets up? Because her picnic it's basket. A whole thing. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Yeah. There is like silverware, like actual metal silverware in that picnic basket. So like, true. girl. Girl. Yeah. I know. Living that mom life, I suppose. She is really like, this is a picnic with a capital P. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is a is. picnic. Yeah. 
Also, also, can we talk about, they call this man, like, he's handsome. They stop because he's handsome. He's just Getting is really concerned with how handsome this man is. Want that. And two, he just looks like some guy. He he has just some guy disease. It is terminal. I'm sorry. Like, when they talk about how handsome he is, I would imagine, like, someone who could be on a CW show. And instead, it's, like, just some guy in the woods. I don't know. That's, like, that's not a guy it's stuck for. <laughs> his eyes are really small compared to, like, the rest of his face. He also has major gay man energy. He has such a big forehead, too. Sorry, I'm looking. Yeah. I don't mean to, like, insult this man, because Lord wrong. knows my forehead game is also little off the charts. But, like, this man has so much forehead. His hairline is so far back, like... Okay, the actor in his, like, you know, IMDb, like, shot is um, very attractive. Oh, he's Irish. He's... I think he is a he's a very attractive dude. Yeah. It's just not in this episode though. This episode the criminal minds like <laughs> the criminal minds makeup department had something out against this dude. Criminal minds makeup department did not do him any favors. So they mentioned this at the end of the episode Gideon says like I don't know your name. I don't know anything about you. He's actually, I think both of the killers are in IMDb as the Mill Creek Killer and the Hollow Man. They never yes. get names. And I kind of like that, actually. I do. I, do. I really like that I in think this it, episode. It really sticks with their theme of it not being about the killers and it being about the victims, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so I really like that. Anyway, okay. This ugly dude shows up. He is, I suppose, we, you and I are not the target audience for most men. I like men. I'm not the target audience for most <laughs> men. Sure. So I think, in a conventional way, he's probably attractive. He's He looks fine. He's not, he's not ugly. He's just not a gorgeous, gorgeous guy. He's just some dude. He really has just some dude disease. It's terminal. It's terminal. Okay. He comes up and he's like, help, my daughter's missing. She had braids, she had a yellow sweatshirt. Help me, help me, help me. And the mom's like, Tom, Tom, trying to get his attention. And then the guy's like, shh, 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 quiet, 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 quiet. Let's follow me into the woods. And she's kind of like, okay. He leaves without her and she's like, well, and goes after him. And he like finds the yellow sweatshirt. Um, And she's like, oh my God, is that hers? And then his face drops and he just decks her. He just goes, pow, right in the face. I think this actor did a really good job playing the two sides of yes. a killer, though. Like, Jason... Mara. Jason O'Mara. Omar, great yeah. job playing that, like, flip on a dime. Because his face really does, like, fall, and yes. you're like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Like, I think even she realized it at that point. Like, oh, oh shit. Oh, yeah. Um... So then it cuts to the other scene, which is a boy's waking his mom up and he's like, mom, it's after 10. And she like wakes up and she's all like scrambled and she's like, okay, I'm going. What'd you have for dinner? And he goes, pizza. What'd the baby have? Pizza and milk. <laughs> and then she leaves. 
and you be like, you see that she's like a sex worker. Uh, she follows, she goes through an alley, and then some dude just like goes after her and shoots her like three times. Yeah, yeah, it's not nice. I do have to say, we'll we'll talk about it a little more later. I like the way that um, when the when the like. The kid looks about like six or seven or so. Mm -hmm. Um, When he wakes his mom up, you can see that she's sleeping on like a cot in the living room. Yeah. And she walks past and you can see that there's a bedroom. But like very obviously that's for the boys and she's like sleeping in the living room. I think that's such a sweet little touch. Yeah. I I think the first time I watched this, I thought she was going to be like a night shift waitress. Because she's kind of got like a black skirt. She's got the white shirt. Then she's like, when I'm come back, open your pancakes. So I'd assume she was some sort of like Denny's Waffle House waitress the first time I watched it. But then she's a sex worker. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't change how I feel about her. But I think they're setting you up to feel like, to get that vibe of like single mom in a rush, just trying to make enough money kind of thing. Yeah. Now the best scene in the world. Potch is just doing paperwork in his office. There's a knock on the door. In comes Emily with her middle part her bright smile, her box of things. And she's like, hi. <laughs> she is so cute. Ugh. She walks in, she's just wearing a little black sweater. She's just like, oh, she's, she's so cute. She's such a baby. She's such a baby. It's always startling to me to watch her first few episodes where I'm like, that's baby. Like, pretty quickly, she, like, grows up and kind of finds her, like, gay stride. But her first, like, two or three episodes, you're, like, you hired a child. Like, that is a baby. When she's, like, barely younger than Hodge. Yeah. She's older than Morgan by a couple years. She's older than Reed, obviously, by, like, ten years. Older than JJ by, like, eight. Penelope by, like, seven. She's older than, like, almost everyone. But she looks like a baby in this episode and i do kind of like that of her being like bright-eyed bushy-tailed not beaten down by the bau yet like she's so cute also the face when she comes in is like smiling and then by the end of one conversation with hotch she's like tears in her eyes like wait come back and again i was like hotch took you two minutes to destroy this woman's happiness or dreams you destroyed this woman's spirit in under in yeah. under three minutes. Like, that's impressive. Nice. So Emily knocks and she comes in and she's like, hi, I'm Agent Emily Prentice. And he's all like, oh, Agent Hotchner. And then he's like, oh, your mom is Ambassador Prentice. So right away we're like, oh, okay, daughter of like an ambassador. And then Hotch says like, oh, yeah, I did security clearance for your mom. That was one of my first assignments. You were off to Brown and she's like, Yale. I was off to Yale. So you're like, okay, so she is an ambassador's daughter. She went to fucking Yale. And then she says she's been in the Bureau for 10 years. And Hotch goes, oh, don't tell me that. (laughs) I was just like, relatable. (laughs) Relatable. She says she's been working in the Midwest, St. Louis, Chicago area. Now, B, I have a question for you. Yeah. Do we spoil Emily's whole shit? No. Okay. Let's not. We, again, our stance on spoilers in this podcast is we sometimes do it when it's fun and sometimes (laughs) we don't. We do it when it's in service to something in this episode. I don't think there's any reason for us to spoil Emily's whole shit yet. Okay. I Also, I think that we get enough of that within the show 
Sure. Once it like becomes relevant to decisions, decisions, decisions that she makes. Yeah. That's like when we learn about it. So I don't think we should spoil her shit yet. Okay. So she's been in the BAU or the FBI for 10 years, mostly working in the Midwest in the St. Louis, Chicago area. We learn later it's a desk job. He asks about her parents, how your parents, oh, they're fine. So there's a bit of, um, I've actually been talking about this a lot recently. So Emily Par- Emily Prentice, when she talks about her parents, says they, them, mm-hmm. and like, my parents didn't know, all that kind of stuff. Her father never mentioned. Never. She talks about parents like she has two, and we meet her mother later this season. Her mm-hmm. father, non-existent. We have a whole episode with her mother. They don't even mention her father. I assumed they just never... I assumed that they were either never married or they separated. That's sort of what I assumed. Can I tell you our theory? Yes. Okay. Our theory is... Because here's the thing. Emily and her mother have the same last name. Prentice. Yeah. So that's True. important. Either her mother yeah. never got married and Emily took her mother's last name or her father was apprentice. We choose to believe that her mother is the apprentice because um, the apprentices are American aristocracy all the way back to the Civil War. Benjamin Prentice was a general in the Civil War in real life. And so we think that Elizabeth, we did the math on the process of becoming an ambassador, right? So we think she graduated from her undergrad at like 21, her master's like 23, took the foreign service exam immediately because she would have had the benefit of a family with connections, right? Mm -hmm. So she takes her foreign service exam immediately and that's when she gets pregnant. And we think that it's with like an army officer kind of guy so that he also is traveling around all the time on assignments. And so like before you can formally become an ambassador, you have to do like service assignments where you get placed in various different countries. So it makes Mm -hmm. sense because we know Emily grew up moving around a lot, a bunch of different yeah. countries in the Middle East and Russia and France and Spain and everyone. So we think that she was born right as her mother, Elizabeth, took the foreign service exam. So she grew up moving around all those places. And then mm-hmm. her mother probably became an ambassador right when Emily went to college, which is why one of Hodge's first jobs as security clearance would line up with the ambassador becoming an ambassador. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so it kind of happens like either before Emily goes to her undergrad, which is Georgetown, or like while she's in there so that when she's between Georgetown and Yale, where she went for her master's, that's when her mom becomes, formally becomes an ambassador. And when Hotch leaves the being a lawyer in Seattle to become an FBI person. And so that way her father is still involved in her life enough that she can talk about like, oh, my parents would never have let me dressed like that or no my pants didn't know that I smoked like all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but he's not an important part an important enough part of her life that he gets mentioned and she wouldn't ask her mother about him and then you can pick or choose if he dies (laughs) choose your own adventure is Emily's father dead or not (laughs) yeah um but he's like literally never mentioned ever so that that's our that's our theory of Emily's past and that's why she like is like I hate politics because like not just her mother but also her father were very much like involved in politics. Like I said, I do talk about Emily Prentice. <laughs> it just so you happens do. that it's okay. Emily is like <laughs> they just 
Emily's like, yeah, my parents are doing great. They're like, cool, cool. And then they just like stare at each other, smiling politely, waiting for the other person to say something. And then Hacha's like, so what can I do for you? They are both so... This is like introverts who are forced to be extroverted for their job. Mm -hmm. This is them. Like, (laughs) neither of them enjoy this especially. Yeah. It's like so funny because Emily's like, it's my first day. I'm going to go in. He's going to know who I am. He's going to know why I'm there. He's going to tell me what to do. And then Hatch is like, oh, the daughter of an ambassador I worked with 15 years ago is here. Why? Like, <laughs> they just, I feel so sorry for both of them in this moment. It's just comedy. It's just comedy. Honestly, comedy queens. Comedy. Emily's like, well, I was hoping you could tell me who my desk is. And she like pulls out a piece of paper and he looks at it and he's like, I had no idea this was happening. I didn't approve of this. And JJ comes in like, sir, we're gathering. And she leaves. And Hot is like, yeah, you, sorry, you can't just join the team. And then he just like leaves her in his office. And she's like looking out the window after him like, sir. And he goes, Gideon, did you approve a transfer? And Gideon's like, no, what? And they look back and Emily's just like in the doorway at the end of the hall holding her box, like tears in her eyes. Security means nothing in the BAU apparently. Well, she is an agent and she does have the paperwork. So like, I guess she's supposed- I just don't see why Aaron Hotchner did not close his office door behind him. Like, why did he not escort Emily back into the bullpen, close his door, and then go? Like, what? Yeah. (laughs) What? Yeah. I don't know why they did that. And Gideon's like, yeah, I didn't approve it. Do you want me to call someone? And Hotchner's like, no, I'll take care of it. It's just weird. They and then they just like Hodge does nothing to take her. care of it. Yeah, Hodge does nothing at all. They fully like Hodge walks out of his office, talks to Gideon, they both look at Emily, and then they look away and forget she exists. Like literally like that. There's no mention. I would have expected Hodge to be making a phone call or two while on the plane. Like they have a flight here. Next episode, JJ is the one giving Emily, like, orientation. So, like, why didn't Hotch be like, JJ, have you heard anything about this? JJ wasn't even like, who was that woman in your office? Like, nothing. Forget about her. Forget about her. What? Yeah. Yeah, I wrote, just leave her there? Question mark, question mark. (laughs) Okay. Question mark, question mark is right. I'm confused too. Yeah. So then they're talking. Okay. JJ's first outfit check. White okay. button-down okay. shawl. Big black shawl with tassels. She looks cozy as shit. But I was <laughs> like, girl, what? You just put a shawl on? No, you're not even a sweater? I, okay, here's the thing. Hmm. I kind of get it. No, I, it's, I. It's an, it's an, I'm going to be in my office doing paperwork all day look. That is yeah. a. That is a look that says, I'm going to wear the bare minimum of off of business casual. Yeah. That's going to be me tomorrow. I'm going to wear a big ass cardigan and a white button down and that's going to be it. That is all we get. She has the shawl that she can like shrug back off her shoulders onto the back of her chair and then yeah. pick up and like rebat wrap around her. I get it. It's just so funny to see her like in the middle of the like briefing room, just like shawl. St. Louis <laughs> is in trouble. And I'm like, girl, like you're in trouble. 
That is a shawl that says the AC in my office is broken and stuck on very cold. Like, that is a shawl that Mm -hmm. says there is something wrong and I'm waiting for maintenance to fix it. (laughs) Yep. Um, That's so funny, but you're so right. So we find out that the first killer abducts people in public places, dumps them in the woods. And Gideon's like, oh, yeah, we consulted months ago on this guy when there were only three people dead and other six people dead. I like this, hey, we consulted a while ago on this case. I like that, actually. I do, too. It's like, it's sort of like building up, like, the, and I'm gonna, this is the right term, but it sounds obnoxious, building up the real-world mythology of the BAU. You know what I mean? Like, that term does sound stupid, but it is correct. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and they, they talk about, like, consulting in just a few more episodes. It comes up again and again that they do these kind of, like, paperwork consultations even if they don't take the case and that's what hodge asks emily to do at the end of the episode as basically their test Mm -hmm. like do a consult what would you tell them yeah like okay so the killer they consulted but he'd only killed three people now there's six people uh the forest he dumps them in is 1.8 million acres square acres the second killer has eight victims All of them are sex workers. All of them were just shot and left. And a letter was sent to a reporter, Jim Myers, from The Hollow Man. Mm -hmm. And Derek is like, why do you call himself The Hollow Man? Does he feel empty inside or something? And JJ goes, he shot his victims with hollow point bullets. And Derek's just like, oh, Hmm. okay, well. (laughs) All right, I stand corrected. I Yeah, and then Jade's like, no one even knew about him until, like, the letter. There's a big theme in this episode of, like, sex worker kills going on, not unreported, but on, um, yeah, reported, I guess, by the media. Mm-hmm. Like, no one notices they're gone, so no one talks about the big gone kind of thing. And true fact. Yeah. They talk about this actually quite a bit in... Criminal Minds, I feel like we have this theme kind of come up a lot, especially when it's involving uh, people who are, like, homeless or, Mm -hmm. like, addicts a lot. They talk about the fact that, like, the more, quote-unquote, migrant populations are harder to keep track of and they lose, you know, they don't have a family or they lose contact with their family. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, they they lose track of it. It's a big deal in the, what's the, 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 the Denver episode that's, like, the season three finale, maybe? Mm. Uh, No. Whatever the one, the pig episode, the pig farm episode with the shoes, that one has ha- also hits Ugh. on this theme quite a bit, as well as Legacy later yeah, this season. That's the one it. I always think of, is Legacy. Yeah, what episode. is a Legacy? We're gonna, I'm talking that episode up so much. I'm so scared it's not gonna live up to the version of Legacy I have in my mind, because I have I've watched, watched it recently. I watched it recently. One, great JJ app. <laughs> Two... I love the little detective dude. That's true. I love Three, him. Three, that fucking meat packing plant. Yeah. Where they like drag people through and they shine the last the scene of the oh. window closing and like the light streaming in on all the shoes laid oh. out. Shoes in this show, man. Why does it get us so bad every time? I mean, it gets me because it's definitely like Holocaust imagery. Like, I feel like you can't have. Yeah a pile of shoes without having that. So I feel like mm-hmm. they draw on that a lot, which, you know, for better or worse. No one knew about 
the hollow man until this guy got the letter. Nobody, quote unquote, cares about sex workers. So they don't report them when they go missing. So that's kind of like nobody had even pieced together that these were eight murders by the same person until he wrote a letter claiming responsibility. Which seems weird to me because how often do you have multiple murders using the same type of bullet that are hollow point? Yeah. Same caliber. That seems like a pretty easily connectable thing. I'm obviously not a gun nut, but I feel like hollow point bullets are like harder to come by or they're like more specialty than regular bullets. Like Yeah, and JJ says later that it's a forty four gun, which is big. A yeah. big gun. So it's like that's yeah, that's big. Yeah. And also I think they happen like all in a very similar district, like fairly close together. Yeah, it's weird to me. It's like eight. Like how many sex workers are actively dying in your city constantly? Yeah, like that just seems like a lot of really specific things that happen every time that aren't you aren't connecting the dots for some reason. Like it feels weird. I think that Criminal Minds skirted the line very carefully between why isn't the media reporting on these murders? And why aren't the cops working harder to solve these murders? And I feel like we get that a little bit when JJ gets to the station. So let's... Yeah, okay. It's to St. Louis. So let's okay. table that convo until then. So Gideon's like, yeah, they're competing. There's like a bit of a si- sibling rivalry. They're learning from each other. Cool. Oh, then we get to the plane. JJ's passing out the files. Gideon's reading the funny pages of the newspaper. He's reading the comic strips of the newspaper. <laughs> Why? I was like, Why? okay, but he has the same serious face he does when he's like writing down murder info, but it's like the funniest. It made me laugh. JJ's passing out the files. Reed looks troubled. He keeps like rubbing his eyes. JJ sits on the arm of his chair and goes, hey, what's wrong? And I was like, oh, that's cute. Hey, what is wrong? Yeah, and then he says, did you know there's about 30 serial killers at large in the U.S. at any time? It's so rare for them to be in the same city. And she's like, well, when's the last time it happened? And he said, only three times have there been the same killers in the same serial killers in the same city, which is interesting. And that is, I think, a true fact that Reed states. I think that's true because it is also fairly, there's like, he mentions what, like 20 serial killers in in the whole country at one time 30 30 that's like i know that sounds like a lot but the u.s is really big that's like fewer than one per state yeah yeah that's like not a lot actually yeah i feel like we sometimes lose track of like how truly rare serial crimes are because we're watching criminal minds a show about serial crimes but like it is fairly rare to have a serial killer in your city, but even more rare to have two, two. at the same at the yes. same time talking with each other. Like that is really rare. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And also, like, it's interesting that not even every crime they do is a serial killer. Sometimes it's just like some guy that snapped, or like one mm-hmm. person who's killed a couple exes. You know, but like they are technically serial killers, but it's not like in the way we think of them. Also, St. Louis is like, it's not a very large city. No. Like, I think it's under 3 million for, like, total metro population. That's, Mm -hmm. like, smaller than, say, like, Minneapolis and Denver. Like, they're not 
this isn't like a big ass city. Yeah. And so one thing they're about to say is that so the hollow man kills within like in the city at night. He doesn't even though they're all sex workers, he doesn't rape them. He's lacking confidence, social skills, and he uses a 44. So he has distance. He doesn't have to touch them. The Mill Creek Killer, Mill Creek Killer, mm-hmm. is targeting middle class, educated, older women in the daytime. So he must look like them. And they all have died through blunt force head trauma. So they're polar opposites. One is um, affluent, clean, handsome, confident, physical. And the other is shy, awkward, no sexual component at night. And they say that these two killers mirror the way that St. Louis has two halves. There Mm -hmm. is that like pretty upper class suburban, you know, perfect Americana. And then there's the like gritty, poor, inner city, whatever. Yeah, I think it also, it's also interesting because you'll notice when I said like, I said like St. Louis Metro, because again, it's all like a lot of really small cities and unlike a city like say new york where all of the population is concentrated on one island or whatever mm-hmm. like this is the midwest that city is sprawled out as fuck yeah like there is a lot of ground to cover in yeah. a city like st louis yeah i mean just the national forest the mark twain national forest that's right next to them is 1.8 million square acres like I think the actual number is 1.5 million acres. I just Googled it. Oh, okay. Thanks, Reed. But still, that's a big ass. Big. That's a big fucking forest. It's big, and it's just there by the city. Yeah, like, it's just right there. You can just go. So then Gideon and Derek are going to go talk to the husband of the missing woman at his house, and Reed and... Hotch are going to go talk to the mother of this sex worker who just died. And JJ gets to say what she's doing. I'm going to go talk to John Mayers at the station. Nobody asks her, but she gets to say it. (laughs) Yeah, I love how she's like, it is important that you all know that I am also going to be doing important work here. (laughs) I'm so sure this is the first time that on the plane, JJ has been like, and here's what I'm doing when we land. I was like, you get I it. I also think what JJ does in this episode plays, like it plays a larger part in this episode than it has ever before. Yeah, it definitely because does. Because it's specifically about, there's a whole side of this that is about the media. So there, I think it's good that she finally gets to be like, this is what I'm doing. In case anybody wondered, here's my dance card for today. There's the one episode with that reporter who keeps leaking news and she has to be like stop doing that but this that was somewhere in season one this is kind of like Mm -hmm. now we're really getting into the nitty-gritty now this is actually what jj does yeah so jj is going to tell him the reporter not to write about the the hollow man that they want to draw him out so derek is talking to the husband of the missing woman who basically like has this very sad like little monologue about how like once you have children you stop worrying about the other adult and start worrying about the children and like he left her to go look after the kid and that's when she got taken and he like really blames himself which like i actually do really like how the husband plays this yeah you know i mean it's a good point all of your focus is on is on taking care of the kid and that 
leaves his, left his partner vulnerable. I mean, she should have been able to unpack a fucking picnic without getting yeah. kidnapped and killed. But, like, I get, like, where he's coming from. Yeah. I also think it's funny that they show that this man is affluent because even though he is grieving and even though he has a lot of, like, there are people over objectively to, like, help him or look for her and stuff, he's still wearing, like, a collared shirt. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, it feels very like, oh, this was a deliberate costume choice that you did. Mm-hmm. Like, I really enjoyed that, actually. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then the girl comes down and is like, hi, and then runs off to talk to her family. And he's like, she keeps asking me when mom is coming home. The way this dad, as soon as, like, he sees the girl coming down the stairs, he, like, brightens up and, like, tries to be happy. Yeah. He's like, hey, sweetie. And then as soon as he leaves, he's like, she keeps asking me. Like, it's Ugh. so good. This guy? Yeah. This dude? Good job, man. He shows up later during JJ's press conference. She's, like, giving her press conference, and Derek looks over, and the guy is there, and he's, like, nodding, like, you're doing good at Derek. And I was just like, oh. David Barry Gray. Good job. Oh. Good job, Bessie David. Good job. I really like the edit choice they made here where they show the mom's like picture and then the photo fades to the mom's like dead open eyes. They love this photo effect. And I will admit this is one of the few times I'm like, oh, that was a good choice. Especially right after like she keeps asking when her mom is coming home because we don't know she's dead yet. Yeah. Right. We just know he has her. So it's like. She keeps asking when her mom's coming home and Derek's all sad. And he like looks at the photo and it just goes through the photo to her like dead face. And you're just like, oh. Yeah. You're like, oh, fuck. I almost forgot what show we were watching for a second there. (laughs) Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So I put that, oh, someone's like come, someone's found the dead mom. But like, no, the killer's coming to visit her. He like removes leaves, combs her hair, puts her lipstick on. And then you see him, like, leaning in to kiss the dead body as it, like, fades to black. And I was just like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Mm-mm. And they, like, skirt around it a few times in this episode. But, like, he does um, have sex mm-hmm. with these dead bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really skirt around this. But, yep. Yep. Yikes. Yikes. Okay. Anyway. All right. Hotch and Reed go to the woman's apartment, the sex worker's apartment, and there's an older woman there who is her mother and the boys. And the mom's like drinking and she's like, did you come here to judge me or to solve the case? And I was like, no one is judging you, ma'am. I also love when she opens the door and Hotch holds up his badge to be like FBI or whatever. He like puts down his badge and she's like, no, no, no. Hold that up again. Like, (laughs) she is so suspicious as she has a right to be. Yeah. So she says, like, there's car alarms and guns going off all the time. And nobody, nobody writes about sex workers. Like, nobody cares. No one's looking for them. And Hotch and Reed are both like, we are. I also, I do want to bring back, you can very clearly tell in this, when they showed in this shot, is that the mom was literally sleeping in the living room while the boys got the bedroom. And I just think that's such a cute little touch that they didn't need to do. But I'm like, yeah. Yeah. The set designer thought about this one, besties. Yeah. Shout out. It was good. Um, But then Hodge kind of like, he says something like, part of it too is that like, they stay below the radar for their work. So like it, that's why nobody's like looking for them. But like, that doesn't make them unimportant. 
Yeah, I, I, think I was just he, like, now's not the time. He tries to make it some sort of like, not like a, almost like a good thing that she was good at staying below the radar. He's like, yeah, that's, you know, part of her job. We know that. Yeah. But that also makes it harder for us to keep track of them. But I'm like, but that doesn't absolve you all of guilt. No, no. So... There were the cops. She was the eighth sex worker to die. The eighth! What were the cops? Okay. And then the mom is like, she made some bad choices, but she was a good woman. And I was, I just want to be like, mm, yeah. I don't like the qualifying of bad sex choices. Work. Yeah. But then she also, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's that the whole thing of like, I don't know. I can't like put any judgment on anyone who does sex work. And I feel like it's different now too than maybe it was. Yes. Then, I think it definitely is. It's a lot safer. A lot of it is online. You know, it's it's that it's more of a community. Um, but also like let women do what they have to do. You know. Yeah. I don't know. Criminal Minds has net will never find the right words to say what they kind of I think want to say. They will never find the right no. words to say it. They also continue to call them prostitutes through twenty twenty. Yeah. Like could have done this a little better. Yeah. Thanks. Could have tried a little could, more, besties. Could have tried even a little bit. Even just a little bit. Even if it had been the last two seasons, I would have been like, at least you got there. But no. <laughs> you got there in the end. But you didn't get there in the end, Criminal Minds. You didn't. Okay, JJ, at the precinct, talking to Agent Sheridan. She walks into the like conference room and there's a ton of boxes for the Mill Creek Killer. Mm-hmm. And there is one single folder for the Hollow Man. I think you're about to say the JJ line where she's like, is this it? Yeah. Is this all? Is this she's all like, we got? She's like, this is it. And he goes, well, these kind of crimes don't generate a lot of evidence. He's like, oh, we got the shell casings and the but dead women. The very specific gun and very specific like at the very least you should have eight autopsies and it does not look like you have that no like at the very least you should have eight ballistic reports you have one folder that's like maybe 20 pages yeah and it's like where's like the map of the locations what about like all the times of death the same are they the same like woman like physical type like what something And so I think this is where we kind of get to Criminal Minds is trying, I think, to walk a line between the police did not do their due diligence in investigating the hollow man, which is why he had to name himself and kill eight women before anybody was like, hey, this might be a problem. Mm -hmm. And then they also walk that line of like, the police didn't do their jobs, but also the media didn't pick up on it either. So who's the real bad guy? It's the police for not doing their jobs. But they really try and be like, but who? who's to say? How's the media supposed to know if there aren't like police reports and the police asking for information or anything, you know? Yeah. And so they try and sort of like walk this line of like, well, the media didn't report on it either. And it's like, I don't think you can say that. That's not the same. If the police have a report that is like 10 pages long for, again, eight murders. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Okay. So then the reporter is there. 
JJ goes over to the reporter and says, Jennifer Jarrell, we spoke on the phone. I'm so sad nobody ever memes that in the show. Like they start memeing like wheels up and they like, they make fun of Reed a couple of times, but no one ever is like, we spoke on the phone. I just feel like that's such a joke. That has to be like an in-joke on the team. It has to be. Like if the team has in-jokes, I'm Agent Jarrell, we spoke on the phone. Oh yeah, they do. You know they have to after being together for 15 years. Oh, they got some zingers there, I bet. Oh my God, I bet. And I just, I'm like, the JJ one is definitely one. The other one is definitely like Hotch's face, his whole face that he makes. Yeah. Um, Like whenever someone says something they don't approve of, they like make Hotch, the, their Hotch face, you know, shit like that. Oh, this reporter, I couldn't settle on his vibes. His vibes are real kind of weird, aren't they? I think so. At one point, they try and like trick us to think he's the Mill Creek killer. Mm-hmm. But I wonder, like, I'm like, are they trying to set that up from the beginning? Or like, I can't tell. He shows up. He's like, I brought the letter. Like, I'm worried that my writing about the Mill Creek killer contributed to the Hollow Man killing. And JJ's like, it didn't. And he goes, should I be worried for my own life because I'm writing about the serial killers? And JJ's like, no. (laughs) JJ really does the bare minimum in talking to this man, even though they need his help to walk a very narrow line of media strategy here. I feel like JJ does the absolute bare minimum. Yeah. Um, So then she's like, you know, he needs you to get the news out about him because no one's talking about him. He wants attention. Don't give it to him. And... Like, we need him to crave that attention. And he's like, what if doing this makes him kill more tomorrow? And Jade is like, well, then we'll find out tomorrow, won't we? Like, hey? (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. I mean, yeah. But when you say it like that, okay. When you say it like that, it's real bad, huh? Yeah. Uh, And then Sheridan comes in and is like, hey, they found Ellen Carroll's body. And then JJ, okay, here's the thing, right? JJ meets Morgan and Gideon at her body. I am so sure the only reason JJ is there is because they needed a woman to notice the lipstick. And they couldn't just have a crime scene tech do it? Like they had our girl Gina earlier? Gina! They couldn't have brought our girl Gina back? (laughs) She's in no, DC. it's just they needed other woman, I guess. Like, literally, the only thing JJ says is, like, her lipstick is fresh. Her hair's been brushed. He drove her, like, half an hour from the scene where she went missing. She wouldn't still look like this. And then she says nothing else for the rest of the scene. I was like, okay, you just needed woman there. Okay. <laughs> and you really didn't want to pay somebody's union dues here, I see. Yeah, yeah, you just wanted to yeah. g- grab AJ Cook. AJ yeah. Cook was just on set that day, so they were like... <laughs> Hey, do you want to come out and do this scene for us? Do you want to? So hey, we're going to the forest. Do you want to come out with us? She's like, all right. Yeah. Give me a funky little FBI jacket. Okay, so we find out that the abduction site was 40 miles away. So the guy like really went out of his way to hide the body. Um, and then Morgan is like, you didn't notice that the if the other bodies had fresh lipstick and brushed hair? And Agent Sheridan is like, not really. But also we found her. It's only been like 24 hours. Most of the time she's found, the woman is found like five days later. So like, who's to say? She, yeah, she had already succumbed to the elements by then. Yeah. Which like, 
as soon as Derek was like, you didn't notice this earlier? And that guy was like, no, not really. I was like, are you playing this as like a sexist thing? Or did they find her a lot later? And then he continued on. He's like, we didn't find the other one. So like five days after the fact, and you're like, oh, okay, we're good. I can it's, put down my sexist pitch for it. It's All not right, sexism. <laughs> it's not sexism. It's just the weather. <laughs> <laughs> so then they hint at necrophilia. They're like, he's applying lipstick. Oh, but then they find out that he has a ritual that he needs to, like, defile the bodies. <gasps> it took me a second to, like, get the hint. I was like, but they're not defiled. He puts lipstick on them. And then I was like, oh, that's how he's defiling them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really like a, oh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is like, I'm just going to put that right there. If you pick it up, that's on you. <laughs> okay. We see the hollow man sitting in a taxi. He's a taxi driver. He's real mad about his news not being on the front page. Like he sees the big thing about the hollow creek, sorry, the mill creek killer. And then he like flips over the newspaper and it's like, the weather this year has been pretty harsh on the crops. <laughs> They're like, we got a brand new project to revitalize downtown. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, what the fuck? Yeah. He's like, where's my letter? Should be front page news. I'll settle for below the fold. I like how he was like, I'm okay with below the fold as long as yeah. it's still the first page. As as and then it was the not, and it was like, no. No. Uh, so then he just like pulls up to two sex workers who are walking home. And I like this woman. She looks at him, and then she like looks up at the top of his taxi, and she's like, oh, we're off duty, just like you. And then and then he does shoot them right into a trash pile and pose the newspaper real, real big. Yeah. I yeah. I liked her funny line of like we're off duty, but just like you, which I I thought that was really funny and made me yeah. laugh. And then they got shot, and I was like, oh right, uh, yeah, okay, right. thanks, yeah. yeah. Criminal Minds this episode though does a great job of making you like someone in their five seconds of screen time before they die. Yeah. <laughs> They're real good at that this episode. And then here's the here's the sad thing is I was like. As they were, like, walking by and he started driving, they passed by that, like, very obvious set piece of the dumpster overflowing of garbage. And I was like, surely Criminal Minds will not make it this obvious. And then Criminal Minds did make it that obvious. Yeah. Um, Okay. Oh, then Reed and Hodge are, like, at the scene with the two bodies. Reed is standing there in his stupid little cardigan, like, holding a cup of takeout coffee, and Hotch is just, like, hands in his pockets, black sunglasses, and I was like, what is happening? This is, like, business dad and his gay son, except they're, like, standing in front of a dumpster with two dead bodies. I was like, why are you doing this to me, Kona Minds? Why are you making me laugh at these sad, sad scenes? Like, It was very much like business dad brings his gay son to an out of town conference and they have to like (laughs) pretend like they're bonding family bonding. They're standing like four feet apart. Reed brought his coffee to the dead body (laughs) trash crime scene. I was like, all right, you gay. Like, so then they're like, okay, so he like killed during the daytime, blah, blah, blah. He's hunting now. He wants a challenge and he's angry because there wasn't news. So then JJ's, okay, JJ's stupid outfit number two. She's wearing full sleeve button downs, collared shirt. Her sweater is like tiny little cuff sleeves. It's like a short sleeve sweater over long sleeves, not even rolled up sleeves, like buttoned at the wrist. 
button down, untucked. And why is this button down striped? It's why did st- they make that decision? It's a striped button down, buttoned at the wrist, big collar, not tucked in, with a gray, like, wool sweater, sh- short sleeve, almost sleeveless sweater, over this long sleeve button down. And it's like, for what? Where'd your shawl go, JJ? What is this? Like, what? Okay, James, what time of year does this episode happen in? It's November. It's not that cold in St. Louis in November. Either either it's like, either wear a fucking cardigan or wear your normal shirt. This tiny little piece of shit sweater is nothing. That is, it's literally, it, this makes me so. I would be less mad if you were wearing like, like a, a vest. T-shirt. It's literally a wool t-shirt she layered over. Wait until we talk about the sweater she's wearing later. Wait. Just... Wait until you see JJ's third sweater because it is. Woo! <laughs> oh, and maybe very this? angry. Jennifer, Jennifer, what is this, Jennifer? What is um, this, Jennifer Jerome? Agent Jerome, we spoke on the phone, so I didn't get a chance to see the stupid ass sweater last time. What are you wearing? Up? <laughs> Agent Jerome, we spoke on the phone. Um, what the fuck? Just what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> Ichijiro, oh, we spoke on the phone. Um, this is what you wore. You chose this. That's your second outfit. Hmm. Hmm. And it's an outfit change because that is not the button down she was wearing earlier. She's wearing a white button down and now she's wearing a striped button down. She said, I went to the hotel. I showered. I'm feeling good. I put on a button down, but it's a little chilly. I'm going to put on a wool shirt. Like? Like for what? Like, for what, though? In November? In St. Louis? I... Okay. Okay, good points. Okay. Anyway. The reporter shows up and is all like, I didn't post it, and you killed two people, and JJ's like, that was the right thing to do. Like, we were needed to do that. Blah, blah, blah. And the reporter's like, this is all like guessing game, isn't it? And then she turns around and says, No. This is behavioral analysis. And then does not offer any further explanation for this dude. Like, JJ, I feel like maybe if we're focusing on how JJ's job is important, we should have her explain to him more carefully why they are doing this. She, like, very mildly is like, this is behavioral analysis. The team has examined him, and they know this is the right thing to do. And the reporter's like, (laughs) um, what? And she's like, anyway don't post this and then walks away and it like holds on her walking away and i in bubble letters i wrote girl boss (laughs) i said no bye walks away that's the girl boss notes in my head (laughs) yeah and then it cuts to her like she's like putting up pictures on the board she has like their french nails kind of they're long nails, but only clear nail polish. And I do love that they've established that JJ is like a top coat bitch. She's like, I do a lot of writing and typing. I need to protect my nails, but I refuse to wear actual nail polish. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> okay, she's putting pictures up on the board. She's like, it's a shame they couldn't pull any fingerprints off of the newspaper. That's because the guy was wearing those stupid driving gloves. Um, Reed is doing handwriting analysis. And he's like, the cramped 
tilted letters indicate depression. Uh, and the like fact that he presses so hard shows that he's prone to anger and quick to act. And I was like, okay, don't need to call me out like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then JJ is like, I would have thought he print he would print instead of doing cursive because he wants his message to be clear. And then Reed says that actually the cursive shows that he's very like practical and direct. I love this moment. JJ's like, my handwriting changes all the time. He's like, yeah, because it's based on like how you're feeling, you know, from one moment to the next. Like, it just depends on how you're feeling. And then JJ like takes a second and goes, he was feeling like killing someone. <laughs> and then she makes a stinky little face right into the camera, cuts the next scene. I was like, okay, comedy queen. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like that was just like, I feel like that was just like an AJ Cook blooper. Like nobody called cut and she was like, I guess he felt like murder today. Hmm, cameraman. <laughs> and then they use it and she was like, wait, why did this come out on television? <laughs> like, she makes the dubious little <laughs> face. <laughs> like she literally makes the whelp face like so well, funny what you gonna do what are you gonna do <laughs> right into the camera like so funny okay comedy queen <laughs> this rewatch like i like when i think of jj i think of like that repressed anger that she has like a ton of i forgot that she was a comedy queen she's so funny she is so funny like she definitely plays like the straight man character where like when other people are being super weird she's just like you know that's not normal, right? It's yeah. so funny. They're talking about him again. They're giving a profile, I think. The hollow yeah. man. He wants attention. He's got a solitary job. Perhaps he's overqualified. He's now growing confident, and that makes him dangerous. Um, the Mill Creek killer. They have more info about him because he spends more time with them. So they know he's handsome. He's sociable. He's calm. He has a ritual and he's obsessive. And they say that the hollow man only wants attention. So he's going to do whatever it takes to get attention. And the Mill Creek killer is sex driven. So he can't stop because he's need based. And they're both just as hard to catch. Mm -hmm. So then we see a woman biking alone. And she like calls her friend and she's like, where are you? Okay, well, I'm here. And then she hear, you hear like, excuse me, ma'am. And she turns around and smiles and it just goes like black and white. Yeah. And what I was like, why? she's fucking you know, dead. You know the editors were proud of that one. You oh. know that editor yeah. was proud as fuck for that one. She's dead, black and white. Uh, then we learn at the station, she's been missing for an hour. They're like, he's probably already burying her. So now we just need to like find the body and wait. Um, so then they like set up blocks for people to like check, cuff for cops to check cars as they go into the park. And the killer's there and he opens the back. 1.5 million acres. And yeah. they're going to put somebody at every single entrance and exit i think they said there's only like two or three main entrances and exits most of it's the dense forest yeah but like yeah no i mean yeah this is in missouri 
it's not yeah. exactly like quarantined off from the rest of wherever. Like this dude can probably take fucking this dude can just like take 44 down a while and then I guarantee you he could find some back road entrance into it. I don't know, it just felt I was like okay, this is serendipitous because this is a TV show. Like to me sometimes yeah. things work out and I'm like, okay, this is absolutely just a because this is a TV show thing and that's okay. But one this is one of those moments where I was like, ah, this is a TV show, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, this is a TV show. This is a TV Sure show. is. And then they stop the dude. He's got a big van. They open the back of it. It's empty. And the police guy goes, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, I was going to go for a hike. And the guy's like, no water bottle or like supplies. And he goes, I got my shoes. That's all I need. He's wearing like a business button down and jeans. Nothing at all in his van. Like that's suspicious, dude. Yeah, I feel like this guy was so close to getting it. You know, like yeah. this, this. This ranger was so close to being like, hey, this dude has a van that's this color. This is the license plate number. Here's his name off his license. Like, I feel like Literally. at the very least, take down his info. Like, yes. Yes. what? Yes. yes. Yeah, I literally was like, what the fuck? You're so close. Okay. You're so close. All right. Back to the station. Derek realizes the bodies are not randomly disposed of. Um, and he starts like looking at the locations and he says, you know, the first one was like very far into the woods, probably because the like, guy was nervous. It takes five days roughly for these people to be found. Like all of them take days. So like the guy must know when to drop the body. So he calls Garcia and Garcia says there are six ranger districts. Each one is patrolled every three to five days. Um, the District that was patrolled most recently is the Potoski Federson district that was um, patrolled like the day before. So they've got a few days. It's close to the city, Saltgrass Cove. He would have plenty of time. Oh, and then Derek goes, that makes sense. He'd have plenty of time to revisit. And Garcia goes, what? You know what? No, no. <laughs> Goodbye. It just hangs up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, good for you. Garcia. This is the I think this is the first or second time only that we see Garcia being like, actually, I hate murder. <laughs> actually, the things you guys make me look up sucks. I'm gonna go. Yeah. Like, she's like, if you don't mind, goodbye. Yeah. Um, so then we see a dog and the men in the forest, and the dog finds a pile of grass and just like lays down next to it. And I was like, I know you can tell they use an actual trained dog for that. I was like, oh, that's nice. Just sits. He's like, hey, I got something. So they go over. (laughs) There's a woman in. So the guy, Agent Sheridan, starts uncovering this dead woman's face, and Gideon goes, no, 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 and he puts all the sticks back, and he's like, we're gonna wait for him to come back and visit the body, and Agent Sheridan is like, no, what? No, we're not. And Gideon's like, shut the fuck up. Yes. Everyone, hide. Like, <laughs> I feel like this episode, the BAU does a really bad job of explaining their tactics to everybody else. First JJ, now Gideon. Like, It's, I mean, Gideon, that's kind of how Gideon is. But, yeah. but you're not wrong. Sometimes it's like some episodes, they are really trying to like explain the method explain the process 
yada 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 and then some message some episodes it's like fuck off just do what i tell you to please do what i say do what i say so they do what he says they hide a man approaches and he kneels besides the body and everyone's like it's gonna be him and then it's the goddamn news reporter and he's like i got a letter from the hollow man telling me where this would be and everyone's like how the fuck would the hollow man know how would the hollow man know and then they look up and there's a news helicopter and derek's like i guess you're not the only one who got the inside scoop this time harsh wild wild again i don't think they know what they want this reporter's vibes to be right like I never for a second thought he was the killer early on. I wonder I wonder if we're supposed to take his like, I need to publish it, I need to publish it, I need to publish it as him wanting the attention. Like JJ keeps saying like this guy wants attention, this guy wants attention. Maybe we're supposed to see him as like wanting attention. I have I'm to publish to it. supposed to see him as the unschmuck? Yeah, but I, like, don't. Like, there isn't an unschmuck. Yeah. I think they they kind of want... I think... here Here's what I think. When they come up with an episode of Criminal Minds and all of the cast within and all of the, like, various one-off characters within, I think they always sort of just, like, put people up on the wall in accordance to the role they play. They're like, okay, so this guy's the unschmuck. This guy is the sheriff. This guy, this lady is the, the, the one who gets abducted. This is the husband of the guy who gets abducted. And then they just like put them up. So they vaguely fit the archetype. And then when they don't need that archetype, they forget to unmake them that archetype. (laughs) You know what I mean? They forget to like backspace a little bit. They're just like, we made this guy to fit this role, but he doesn't exactly play into it. That's just how we wrote it. Sorry. Sorry. It, yeah. it very much, it's very much just like giving like post-it notes on the wall in columns where they need to be. You know sure, what I mean? Sure, 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 sure. One thing though that I did just think about that I do really like, I like that they have the Mill Creek killer be so obvious with who it is and like, we see him in daytime all the time, and he's like, clearly that guy. But mm-hmm. then the Hollow Man, we do not see his face until the, the very end. end. Yeah, we barely see him commit the crimes. And I like that, that they did this kind of like nighttime shadow secret, quick verse, the daytime guy who like takes his time and is very methodical, you know? So I think that's mm-hmm. really interesting. I just wanted to point that out, but good job on that. Never mind. Okay. They're at the station. They're like, the hollow man's on a high. He hasn't killed anyone since yesterday, so he might get again, but we don't know. But they didn't catch the Mill Creek killer, so they don't know. So now they're saying that um, the Mill Creek killer can't doesn't have a body to return to, so he's going to need to get a new woman. So he's out on the street. He's he's on the hunt. He's on, on the, the prowl. He is on the prowl. And this woman's on the phone, and she walks by him, and he's like, "Hey, my car broke down. It won't start. Could I get? Could I use your phone?" And the woman's like, "Sure." And then she's like digging for it, and she's like trying to find it, and she's like, "It's in here somewhere." Um, and then he's like, "Actually, can I just get you to try to start my car? Like, maybe it'll work for you." Ha ha ha. And she's like. 
No. No. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, come on! And then he grabs her and like starts pulling her. She's just good for her screaming. Screaming, screaming, he runs away. <laughs> and then Gideon and Morgan go to talk to her, and Gideon's first question, was he handsome? He's very concerned with how handsome this dude is. He is. And the woman's like, yeah, actually, that's why I stopped. And I was like, that guy... I don't like her saying that. That's why I stopped? With the major some dude syndrome. Yeah, it felt weird that she was like, he was handsome. That's why I stopped to help him. Like, girl, you barely stopped. He asked you a question and you answered. Like... What? Yeah, it was, I don't know, it was weird. Um, it was weird. She's like, yes. And then she's like, he didn't like that I said no and wouldn't come with him. And then she says, like, I've been seeing the stuff about the Mill Creek killer on the news. That's why I knew, like, not to go somewhere alone with this guy. Um, and I like that she talks about how they, like, the media awareness did help her literally not get abducted by a serial killer. Yeah. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then she goes to talk to a sketch artist. So now they're like, okay, the hollow man has been provoked. He's going to go maybe. Oh, no, the hollow man provoked the Mill Creek killer. And now he's going to go into a frenzy. And they're like, back at the station, Austin Reader talking. Reed is looking through all of the newspapers. Hotch is like, why the newspaper? Why was that so important? Like, was it just about the media attention? What's going on? And then Reed says, wait, they've been talking in the classifieds for months. And their names are Sunny and Holden, which who are characters from Catcher in the Rye, which is a bad, bad book. I have never read Catcher in the Rye. Don't. And, but I've heard multiple times that it's a book for serial killers. Yes. Can you explain that to me? Yeah, so... Because they kind of explain it here, but not a bunch, so like... Yeah, so Catcher in the Rye is a book by J.D. Salinger. The main character is Holden Caulfield. And his whole thing is that he thinks like everybody in the world is a phony. He's 17. He lives in California after World War II. And his brother became like a Hollywood screenwriter. So Holden is like, you're a phony. But then like he... Holden himself went to like a boarding school and did all these fancy things that he's like super rich and his parents are like super rich, but he has decided that he's living the ultimate, like I'm the only authentic one and all of you guys suck ass. Um, And then he also goes to see a lot of sex workers um, and like refuses to like pay them a lot. And then he does kill a few of them. Um... It's just okay. not good. It's I mean that's it. Like that's like that's it. The whole thing is about him like fuck you, fuck the establishment, fuck fuck rich people that like, grew up rich, like fuck the institution. I'm gonna kill people, blah 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 blah. Okay. And then I think he like goes back to school in the end. So it's like Yeah, it's not it's not good. It's not it's a also, good book. Is this, also, all, is this like a book that is like famous. every serial killer's favorite book? I mean, I'm not exactly sure, but 
But basically, like, that's kind it's, of it's, how they talk about it in this episode. They're like, this book really appeals to serial killers because it's fucked up and yeah. weird. Well, like, it's it's written in like um, flow of consciousness, basically, like with really shitty grammar and stuff. Like it's literally like as if Holden Caulfield is like, wrote, like you're in his brain, just thinking the thoughts and all the crazy weird. Um, I don't like it. It's bad. <laughs> weird yeah and also like he doesn't mature or change at all um he just is kind of like very emotional all the time and he acts impulsively and then like apologizes for it but like does it all the time oh sunny is the name of the sex worker yeah it's consistently been listed as one of the best novels of the 20th century um george hw bush called it a marvelous book so take that as you will. <laughs> Bill Gates said it's one of his favorite books. Um, so psychopaths. Yeah, I like cool. this. I like this sentence. The book has had its share of critics, and many contemporary readers just can't understand what the fuss is about. Yeah, yeah. Several shootings have been associated with Salinger's novel. So there hmm. you go. Additionally, after fatally shooting John Lennon, the delusional fanatic Mark David Chapman was arrested with a copy of the book he'd purchased that same day, inside of which he had written to Holden Caulfield from Holden Caulfield. This is my statement. It's a serial little book. Cool. So then they talk about the like conversations they have back and forth with the newspaper, and they say like it was probably originally a mentorship where like the hollow man was being mentored by the Mill Creek killer. But it's mad that the Mill Creek killer is getting more attention and is now jealous. So, the, I that. hate that this guy's named the Mill Creek killer. You're really having a tough time I, pronouncing it, aren't if you? If I say it just like normally, I would say the Mill Creek killer, which is not good. You're really like Mill Creek killer. You're like very much enunciating it. I have to for my brain. The, the Mill Creek Killer. The Mill Creek Killer. Mill Creek If I don't enunciate it, it's not. It doesn't sound good. The Mill Creek Killer. Mill Creek Killer. I don't know. Ugh. You're doing good, though. Thanks. This podcast is really um, bringing out my <laughs> speech impediment struggles. Okay. Bestie, I know. Sometimes I listen back to things I say and I'm like, how did they let me out of speech therapy like this? Like, like they just literally. let me roam the earth like this, huh? They never put me in speech therapy. They put me in theater and said, good luck. Hope it fixes it. <laughs> Garcia looks to see how they paid for the newspaper ads. And both of them paid for the ads in cash. So they can't trace it. Um, and then Reed is copying the hollow man so they can send an, a message to the Mill Creek killer. And they're like, he needs a body, so he's gonna have to go for it. The Hollow Man wants this guy to get caught. Great. And JJ walks in and is like, you have an hour to the deadline. Ooh. Okay. JJ's third outfit. Yeah. Bestie. Mm -hmm. It's it's a wool tank top. Mm -hmm. Over a button down. 
Mm-hmm. Like when you're, I feel like when you're in like, well, like like thick sweater tank top territory, you have given up the shroud of credibility. <laughs> You've given up the ghost here. It's not about warmth. If you were cold, you'd wear a sweater, not layer a tank top. I hate 2006, and I hate that JJ is participating in the tank top (laughs) over real shirt trend. Why were we all obsessed with layering in, like, 2006? What was going on here? I always thought it was something that us middle school kids did. But here's a grown-ass 28-year-old woman who works for the FBI wearing a tank top over a long-sleeve button-down. And for what? And for what? And for what? For what? But like, and for what? And for what? What was going on there, JJ? Hey, JJ. I see I love you. But if we could just, like, not... What's going on there? It's okay. We're very close. Once Emily joins, JJ gets into her like long, slu- long, low cut long sleeves, loop neck. She gets real big into the huge loop neck shirts. Like Emily yeah. shows up, and JJ's like, "Time to show off my collarbone and and a hint of cleavage of my small breasts." Like she yeah. says, "I gotta leave a lot of area for Emily to see." It's yeah. pretty funny. So close to JJ wearing half a shirt to work. But for now, it's long sleeve. It's She's wearing a button down with the tank top over it. But the button down is like unbuttoned halfway. So it's just all open above the tank top. And then she puts a blazer on for the press conference. So you know your tank top looks ridiculous, JJ. Why are you wearing it? I hate it. I mean, I love it, but I hate it. Anyway. Anyway. Oh, yeah. The police are hiding a woman in the leaves. And Derek is like, he's going to get real close to you. Just try and lay still. Like, he's going to try and, like, he might try and, like, touch you. And she's like, he's going to touch me? And Derek's like. told her this before she laid down. And was asked to it up. Who, who is she? She has a gun later. This? Who is this? I just, I wrote down who? Question mark, question mark. Is she, if she's a police officer, she should already know what he's doing. If she's not a police officer, why are you involving some random actress in this? And she has a gun later. I remember because it's my favorite shot when she emerges from the gu- from the leaves with a gun pointed at this dude's crotch. Like there's already a gun under there. There's so a it's gun like, somewhere there. So she is firearm trained as a, I assume a police officer. Did they just like go through every precinct until they found a woman? Because theirs didn't have was any. Was his type? I think you also had to be like she had dark hair. Like it was her his type. Is this she just like some fresh FBI agent? Like, well, what's they're... going on here? I don't think they're. No, they are in an FBI office because he's. They are in an FBI Sheridan. office because it's yeah. um, the the guy is an agent that yeah. they're talking with. They catch the guy. He shows up. You find out the Hollow Man's um, 
ad that read faked was about leaving a body in the woods. So the Mill Creek killer goes to the body and he like tries to put lipstick on her. And then everyone like comes out of the woods and she yeah, emerges with her and gun. She and she emerges with a gun. It's my favorite scene this episode because I'm like, wait, why does she have a gun? <laughs> like- why does she have a gun when she's playing dead? I know. Um, okay, so then they like pull up in front of the station. There's a bunch of people outside. They're doing it for publicity. They want him to be seen. They want everyone to know him. Uh, so then, oh, then we get a great scene where JJ's like, okay, I told everyone about the press conference. And they're like, you gotta read the paper, JJ. The words are very important. And she's like, I'm not a fucking idiot, guys. <laughs> this is not my first rodeo. I've been, I wrote the book on how to say this stuff, dude. She says, <laughs> Mark goes, the wording is very important, JJ. And she goes, it's not my first party, boys. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, so true, so true. So um, true, queen. Yeah, so then Hodge is like, you know, we don't have a lot on the Milk Creek Killer. If he doesn't confess, like, he could just say he was there for funsies. And Gideon, they're like, what are we going to do? And Gideon goes, I guess I'm going to do my job. And I was like, all right. Um, I guess I'm going to do my job. You pretentious ass motherfucker. I know, but you're not already doing your job. What's going on? Okay. Gideon unhandcuffs the guy. And he's like, we don't know your name. We don't know anything. All we know is that you're intelligent and good looking and you kill these women and then you fuck them. And the guy's like, well, you had me into that last part. And he says, um, oh, I went to go like see if she was okay to like check on her. And Gideon's like, okay, whatever. Um, the FBI really wants to interview you. You're so prolific and you're so good. They use this tactic all the time. And I like how Gideon, though, Gideon does that tactic, but he also, like, starts talking really quickly. And I think that's how he, like, catches the dude off guard. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. Is he sort of, like, he escalates the tempo of his questions until they are just rapid fire back and forth. And the guy's yeah. like, yes, I killed them. Yes. Yeah. And, but he's like, he's like, we want to interview you. Like, wow, amazing. But, like, honestly, like, we thought the Hollow Man was going to be harder to catch or easier to catch than you. Like, we thought you wouldn't escape us, but we got you real quick. And the Mill Creek Killer is like, oh, the Hollow Man's just an obsessed fan. From what I read, like, he's just some, like, lunatic. He's not an artist. He doesn't have any imagination. Um, And Gideon is like, well, I mean, he did find where you were going to put the body. And he did tell the media to show up. Like, he did set you up and he tricked you. Um, And then Gideon's like, okay, so if killing is the art, then, like, once they're dead, what's that? Like, what do you do to them once they're dead? Like, what's that? So, like, you kill them, and then you do things to them once they're dead. What's that? And the guy's like, okay, I killed them, but I don't do anything to, with them. And that's when they start getting really, really fast. And Gideon is finally like, so you killed them? And he's like, yes, yes, I killed them. But you cannot tell anybody about the lipstick or what I do afterwards. And Gideon is just like, mm, I'm going to tell everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I know, he's like, you can see him, like, drafting the call-out post in his head. <laughs> he is ready. He is locked and loaded as soon as this dude admits it. Writing his twit longer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, JJ's doing her press conference, and she's like, the Mill Creek killer is sophisticated. He's worth studying. The FBI is going to be talking about him for a long time. The Hollow Man, like, actually, we just think it's isolated incidents, and we actually think the last two deaths were a copycat. Oh, and the letter, that was just a prank sent in by a street thug. No, the FBI is done with this case. It's just, it's not sophisticated. There's just nothing elegant about it. 
And I was just like, okay, JJ, live your acting life. (laughs) She's like, there's nothing sophisticated. Like, okay. (laughs) Okay. Live your life, bitch. Hell yeah. She is like, she is roasting this dude and just laying him out to dry. Like, for what? JJ? For what? I love her. I love her. Can you imagine, though, how bad that would feel as the family of somebody killed by the Hollow Man who didn't know this FBI strategy? Like, they are playing a game right now. But there are people. Like, can you imagine? Years later, that son goes back to watch the tapes on the news coverage surrounding his mother's tragic murder, and he sees this. Well, but it's balanced out by then they put out that newspaper with the eight victims and they are like, we do care. But for a minute. For a minute, it would suck real fucking bad. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, Okay, so then a taxi pulls up to the front of the station and like a man goes through security and puts all his stuff down. He's like in a suit and you're like, is this the guy? No, it's the greasy boy behind him. That guy is um, slick. With grease, his hair. He's Bad. real greasy. He's real greasy boy. Um, so then he beeps when he walks with the metal detector, and the cop is doing the wand, and it beeps at his belt, and then he just like kicks the cop in the face. Yeah. Um, takes his gun, uses the cop as bait. He goes into the precinct, and he's pointing the gun at JJ, and he's like, "He made you say those things. Why would you say that I'm not elegant? Why would you say I'm not sophisticated? Why would you do that?" And JJ's like got her gun at him. And this is like the first time we've seen her like really point her gun at someone. Yeah, like holding her gun like that. And And she does not blink. Does not blink. She's like, nah, I'll shoot him. Point that gun at me. Yeah, she is ice cold this whole time. Yeah, and I love it. It's very much leading up to the future. Yeah, it's leading up to the future. Um, I love her. And then Derek like puts his gun away and oh, they make eye contact. The Mill Creek Killer and the Hollow Man make uh-huh. eye contact. The Mill Creek Killer is like against the glass, staring yeah. at the Hollow Man, like through the blinds, like fucking Michael Scott in the office. He's just like staring at him through the blinds. And the Hollow Man is like, Dad? He doesn't say that, but that's the vibe. <laughs> that um, really is the vibe, though. Yeah. And then Derek tackles that asshole. And JJ's just like, Cool, and puts her gun away and like brushes her hair from her face. She's like, Ooh, I almost shot a man just then. <laughs> <laughs> that would have yeah. been really terrible for my complexion if I had to like deal with all that stress. Just gonna. <sighs> I'm wearing this sweater tank top. You're gonna make me sweat. <laughs> yeah. I hate, hate this show. Um, okay, so then we're on the plane and the news, JJ gets the facts of the front page of the newspaper and it's all eight of the sex worker victims. And each of them get to say a line. Like, JJ's they really like... pass around and, like, <laughs> say one line each. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? It's like, oh, I thought we were over this criminal minds. I thought we were no. over the one... No. JJ's like, here's the, here's the front page of tomorrow's newspaper. And Derek is like, in memory of these women. And, like, it goes to Gideon. And he's like, it's important that everyone sees this. And it goes to Reed. And it's like, they didn't mention the killer. And then it goes to Haas. And it's like, these women will be remembered and honored. It's like, all right. Um, I wrote everyone a gets a line. Lol. At the end, yeah, it felt a little preachy. It was like we got your message in the episode. This was like weird. And then back at Quantico, I 
forgot about Emily Prentice. Like Hodge. You forgot about the stinger? Like Hodge. Oh, I love this. I left Emily in that office and forgot she existed. So we come back. Hodge like opens the door and she's just like sitting there in the dark. She didn't even turn the light on. She's like, <laughs> nah, I'm gonna scare the shit out of this man. He walks in and sees her and goes, please tell me you have not been sitting there for four days. And she's like, oh, no, no, no. I heard you guys landed. And he's like, how did you hear we landed? She goes, anyway, they left in this file. I was like, yes, girl. <laughs> yeah. Hint at those connections, girl. <laughs> I always go back and forth. And I'm not going to spoil anything. But the reveal we get about Emily later is huge and changes mm-hmm. the entire way you see her character on a rewatch. Um. Which is why I was like, do we tell them? Do we not? Like, really change their I feel like we shouldn't. Yeah. No, no, I don't think we should. Um, but it once you know, it changes everything you've thought about Emily forever. But yeah. I keep going back and forth on whether or not they knew what her secret was or just that she had one. I think the way they play her in this episode is very much like she's just well connected and okay. that... I think they're playing her here just like a well-connected nepotism baby of the FBI. You know what I mean? Okay, that yeah. That's how they're kind of playing it here, I think. And the way she just, like, completely jumps over, like, how she heard that they were coming back into town or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, that to me just plays more... That just... I, I don't think... I mean, I think they knew what her secret was, but I don't think they were, like, ready to start leaning on it yet. I think... It was just a matter of they play her right now like she's a well-connected nepotism baby, like they sort of insinuated at the top of the ep. Okay. Okay. I think we're supposed to be a little suspicious of her. Yes. I think we definitely are. Yeah. Okay. So Emily's there. Emily has read the IAD killer file. And basically, like, Hotch says, you know, we can't give this job to anyone who wants to give it a whirl. Like, you have to be qualified. And she basically starts profiling the IAD killer, saying, you know, he probably, like, gets these women on Thursday nights because eight out of the 11 women were reported missing on Friday morning. And Hodge is like, how would you advise them? And she goes, well, I would stake out the ranch house in Gary, Indiana. They have a ladies' night on Thursday right on I-80, like that sounds, something gets this guy's motive running. And she's like, this is not a whirl, Agent Hotchner. Maybe you think I didn't earn it, or that my parents pulled some strings, which they didn't, but I deserve this job. Like, oh God, I love her so much. And then she stands there, like she's clearly like, it is not in her nature to fight back against like an authority figure like this. Like she's nervous. She's like, you know, I'm I'm putting my foot down and either it's going to work or it's going to ruin my career kind of thing. Because she doesn't know what Hotch is like, you know? Yeah. She doesn't mm-hmm. know. And he brushed her off so quickly earlier. Like, she doesn't know. So she stands there for a moment, like, lips tight, eyes wide. She's like, I said the thing and I'm, I'm here now, you know? And it's like, oh, baby, you want this so bad. And then he's like, fine. <laughs> also. Mm-hmm. She obviously has taken the classes if she's getting the transfer into the BAU in the first place. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Hotch is like, this is a specialty. Like, yeah, Hotch, you probably saw her in the profiling classes that you probably taught. Like, 
It's just so here's the thing though. Here's the thing though. Here's the thing. And this, I'm gonna do my best not to give any spoilers, but she was she did not become a profiler recently. That is true. But she I still became, assume at some point earlier in her career, she took the classes. She has that check mark on her. Well, I would not be surprised if it was taken with the JTF the, stuff that she did. Yeah, I don't want to give anything away. I would not be surprised. I don't surprised. want to give it away, but I think we do need a way to talk about I know, this okay. thing. <laughs> These three letters mean nothing to okay. nobody who hasn't okay. already known what it is. Don't look it up. I don't think, look it up. I think that JTF would have given her the training. I think that but, she was already connected because of her mother. So she knew foreign stuff really well. She was probably already taking those classes, but she, but like, she didn't have to be taking them at Quantico. That's true. But I also think that when they talk about the JTF later, they talk about it like it's common knowledge that they would administer profiling classes. You know what I mean? So, like, I feel like if nothing else, she would still have at least that little fucking certificate on her CV. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I don't think like, they talk about it like it's so common knowledge. So I feel like they had to have thought that she at least had the cert. And, like, I feel like the way that JJ treats her next episode is, like, this person's paperwork all checked out. We're besties now. Yeah. So, like... But also, we know, like, why and who... Hodge is, like, this is a specialty. Like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. I just, like, I feel like it's, like, he... From his point of view, if somebody was doing well profiling and Mm -hmm. they were an up-and-coming person that would be good at this position, he would know they were gunning for this job. And instead, this woman literally appears out of the darkness fully qualified he knows she's well connected he doesn't remember seeing her for the past five years right because she started working with the jtf in 2001 so it's been five years since he's heard you know hide her hair of this woman and now here she is all the paperwork filled out without anybody asking him about it yeah he's probably just like even if she was in the classes, I'm sure a lot of people take those classes for funsies. Just because you take the profiling classes doesn't mean you join the BAU. Yeah. You I know? don't know. I so- just, to me, it just felt weird that he was so, like, he his first, I mean, I guess this is sort of like how Hotch and Prentice do have this sort of antagonistic, almost, yeah, eventually it turns into, like, almost sibling-like banter but like at the beginning it is just kind of antagonistic and like I get that they're sort of like playing the fact that Emily's a nepotism baby who maybe doesn't belong here but like it just felt so weird to me that he was like he said he would make a call and then didn't he didn't inquire about her at all he was just like I think he was expecting her to I think he was expecting her to go away I don't think he was expecting her to show back up four days later because connections are not she told someone that let me know when they get back. I'm going to yeah. be there, you know? Mm-hmm. And also he says this in a couple episodes, like L just got, just left after a sp- suspicious shooting. Like yeah. she, Emily like has, could possibly be an nepotism baby, even though she isn't, but she could be, you know, he, no one, he didn't approve this transfer. And then she's so adamant about being in it. Like I can see how he's suspicious about it. Yeah, you know? I can see how he's suspicious. It was just like so. Yeah, Come I on, know Hodge. it's it's not fun. 
and we love Emily already. So we're like, shut the fuck up, Hotch. You're going to love yeah. her. Like- yeah. <laughs> Hotch, she will eventually become your confidant and one of your favorites on the team. We know this, okay? Yeah. Hotch, you kind of fall in love with her a little bit. Calm down. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Is another question. The I-80 killer that Hotch receives the file about. Is that Frank? Okay. I was going to bring that up. Is that Frank? No. I thought that was Frank because he was also a highway killer. But he does not do this Gary Indiana bullshit. Nothing gets his motor running. He just picks up women along the way and then stops in Golconda. He does it like the like eight out of the 11 women go reported missing on Monday morning or Friday morning. Like that doesn't mean anything. He's on this long trail. Like he wouldn't be in the same place every so, week. So you know, every week. So, so is this just another killer just that another, they were like? It's just another throwing it into the wind. Killer, yeah. This person means nothing, especially is Frank because also on I eighty. Yup. Are you serious? I thought Frank was at least on another route. Then he's on I eighty, going from one end of the state to the other end of the state, always making a pit stop in. Golconda. So, but they don't call him the I-80 killer because remember, they don't even know he's connected. You know, they go to Golconda because there are bodies appearing in the desert. Yeah. And there's been a bunch of them and they don't know who they are, but they don't call him the I-80 killer. Emily says nothing about the fucking ranch house in Gary, Indiana. It's just like, hey, we found two bodies. In outside of Golconda, in the, the guy must in the desert. The guy must be here, you know. No, it's Indiana, it's Nevada listen. Are so far away. That's yes. so weird. I, I no, and I hate it. I hate. I think they just picked I eighty because it's a horizontal highway, and it that sounds like the I eighty killer. You know, the same way you have like. The Green River Killer or the Golden State Killer. They're just like, this is the I-80 killer. And then they decided on Golconda, Nevada, and it's on I-80. So, But like JJ and Penelope are the ones who piece together that Frank is even going back and forth on I-80. It's when JJ's like putting the pins in the map that she realizes all of the bodies are long I-80. So they don't even know beforehand that he's killing on I-80. This is just some other dude. That's so... It's so stupid. Huh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Serendipitous as fuck, huh? Yeah. And that's that's in like four episodes. I know. I was looking at our sheet. I was like, <laughs> no, that's in when there. is no way out? It's in like It's actually episodes. funny. I don't remember what episodes Frank are in, Frank is in, except I look at the season finale, which is No Way Out to the evolution of Frank, and then I'm like, Oh, so the first one is called No Way Out. And that's how I always go from the second one to the first. I never am like, oh, No Way Out, that's Frank's up. But no. I am so I ready for the-, <laughs> for the season finale to be called Dance Dance Evolution. <laughs> I have not forgotten about it. I think about it every day of my life. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, God. Well... That's it for this episode. James, scale of 1 to 10, what are you ranking 209, the last word? I think an 8. An 8? 
Yeah. Okay. I don't think it's quite a nine for me. I enjoy it. I've mm-hmm. seen it. Well, a bunch of times. Yeah. Well, honestly, I watched the beginning and then I kind of watched the end, which tells me yeah. it's an eight, <laughs> not a nine. I actually really like this episode. I think I'm going to go with a nine. Yeah. I really enjoy this up. Do it. You know, I really enjoy this episode. I just think it's been so long since we had, I think two serial killers at once is a very fun thing. I think the Mm -hmm. way they solve the case is really fun. I think the thing with the newspapers is such a fun twist. I like how there's, I feel like they're using all of the team's skills in interesting ways. And I really enjoy that. I just love the two serial killers and the dance they're doing is very fun. I just really enjoy this case. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think I'm going to give it a nine. I'm sticking with a nine. I don't know if I told you about this, but the guy got murdered. I get a knock on the door. I go down and I open it. And there's two like actual police detectives. And um, my first thought was, oh no, do they know my downstairs neighbor smokes weed? (laughs) And then I was like, I don't think these guys would be here for weed. So then I was like, did I? kill someone and forget about it (laughs) and then they were like hey here's this flyer somebody died did you hear anything and i was like no i didn't and they were just like okay well bye and i was like bye but (laughs) and then i told shannon she goes you weren't concerned they were they were here to tell you something bad had happened to me and i was like it never even occurred to me (laughs) yikes that's a file that one under why under yikes bestie i literally was like oh no detectives is it the weed did i kill someone (laughs) Like, <laughs> not even like, did my wife get in a terrible car crash? Like, is she dead? Just what about the weed from downstairs? If it had been cops, I would have been like, is my wife okay? Are you here to get me? But it was just like dudes. In a, it was like literally a guy in a trench coat. I was like. <laughs> the most stereotypical detective uniform ever. Trench and there was like, there was like, there was like a, he was a really handsome white guy in a trench coat and then like a black dude in a suit. And I was literally just like, so thrown by what was happening in front of me. <laughs> I was just, I like went downstairs from watching Criminal Minds to have like Law and Order SVU in front of my door. I was just like, <laughs> okay. Like, what's going on? Um, okay, to wrap up this episode, did they say the last word? Did they say the t- episode title within the episode? No. They did not. They haven't done that a lot this season. This is only like the third one. I think that they haven't set the episode title in. Uh, and did they say Wheels Up? I don't think they did. No, they will next episode, though. I love that you just like already know. Yeah, it's because it's an Emily moment. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's an Emily moment. Of course! <laughs> That's it for this week on Wheels Up. Next time on Wheels Up, we are going to be watching Season 2, Episode 10, Lessons Learned. Our very first actual Emily episode. Emily's very good in it, but we're going to have a lot to say about the way America views Islam. (laughs) Oh yeah, we're going to have words, bestie. So many words. You can find all of um, our socials uh, at Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, at Wheels Up Pod. You can leave us a voice message on anchor i feel like we never mentioned that but if you go to anchor.fm slash wheels up pod you can leave us a voice message oh tell my us, god tell us we're right i don't know leave us a voice message that's fun it's fun leave us voice messages. 
Yeah. Did you not know that? I feel like I kind of have forgotten about that because we haven't gotten any, but like, we, you can do that. We can listen to them together. That'd be fun. Do that. Leave us one. Call to action. Do that. <laughs> uh, next up, lessons learned, etc., etc. I said all that. I said all that stuff. James, do you have an ending quote for me? I do. As Derek Morgan says, well, hey there, little lady. Oh my god, I set up the rest of them. This isn't my first party, boys. This is my first party, boys. Is he handsome?